0: It's great to be back again this week. The bear ripped into the market again last week, and we touch on a number of hot-button topics this week, including the U.S. Federal Reserve moving rates higher once again, Canadian inflation numbers, an update on SPAC performance year-to-date, hint, it is not good, Uh, the pound falling to all-time lows next to the dollar, and what appears to be billions of capital sitting on the sidelines. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, Aaron answers a question on Adobe Inc. symbol ADBE on the Nasdaq, the well-known provider of content creation, document management, and digital marketing and advertising software and services to creative professionals and marketers across the globe. Brennan answers a qu- client question comparing two U.S. healthcare-related stocks: United Healthcare or United Health Group. Inc, symbol UNH on the New York Stock Exchange, and CVS Help Corp, symbol CVS on the New York Stock Exchange as well. In our Stars and Dogs segment, Brett takes a look at Star, Canadian manufacturer and distributor of high-quality packaging materials and related packaging machines. That would be Winpack, symbol WPK on the TSX. A team we actually interviewed this past week, and Nautilus Inc, the pandemic star, which Turned dog, seeing its share price plummet over ninety percent from its highs. Finally, if we have time, I will complete Howard Marks's thoughts on the folly of macro forecast this week. I'd like to welcome my co-host Aaron and the Killer Bees, Brennan and Brett. How are you guys doing?
1: Salutations, well, gentlemen.
0: Good, good. It's good quite week? a show.
1: It's quite a lineup. That's a lot, of,
0: a lot of lot of crap to get to. We better we better start hitting it right. Maybe some of it'll stick if we throw it hard enough at the wall. What do you think? We'll see. I think so. We'll see. Well, the Fed, the Fed hiked rates again last week uh, to no one's surprise. Here, midweek, the U.S. Federal Reserve raises the benchmark interest rate by another three quarters uh, percentage points and indicated it will keep uh, hiking rates well above the current level. The central bank has been looking to bring down inflation, which is running near its highest level since early the early 1980s. Uh, Fed officials signaled the intention of continuing to hike until the Fed funds level hits a terminal rate or endpoint of 4.6% in 2023. That implied a quarter point raise implies a quarter point rate raise next year, but no decreases at this point. They remained uh, very vigilant on the inflation front. Um, you guys have any comments there? I know I, I actually watched a video. And some comments from uh, Wharton Professor Jeremy Siegel, who had some harsh criticisms of the Fed. Any comments here? And I'll get into what he said in a second. Yeah, I think sure, yeah he... I'd be interested to hear what he said. It's uh... okay. Well, he, go, he was ahead, he was yeah he was basically Brandon. Do you got something? You got no. no I was do
2: just going to say I think you should get into it. I think yeah no I just just get into it. I think that it's an interesting right. uh, discussion.
0: Yeah, I mean, he talked about the accused the Fed, the rate setters of making one of the biggest policy mistakes in its 110 year history. Um, Jeremy Siegel he's a Wharton professor, University of Pennsylvania, comments on CNBC uh, quite frequently. I'll quote him directly here. He said, I think we're giving Powell too much praise. The last two years are one of the biggest policy mistakes in the 110 year history of the Fed by staying so easy when everything was booming. Um, Now, he said he argued that the Fed made a massive policy mistake essentially last year by not moving to tighten monetary policy before inflation got out of hand. And he mocked the Fed and Powell for insisting inflation would quickly fade on its own. Now, Siegel said that the Fed is making another mistake by raising rates and tightening monetary policy too aggressively. So he said when... Essentially, when economy or commodity prices were all going up at rapid rates, we did. the Fed Chairman Powell said, we don't see inflation. We see no need to raise rates in 2022. Now, all those very same commodities and asset prices are going down. Stubborn inflation, uh, Powell is saying stubborn inflation requires the Fed to stay tight all the way through 2023. He said, it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Um, He said, really, what is happening here is the central bank is making uh, working and middle class Americans pay what he expects will be through a punishing recession that is upcoming. So that's his argument Uh, behind the curve. I mean, many people, I don't think it's a fresh argument saying the Fed was behind Mm -hmm. the curve in terms of uh, getting ahead of it, uh, raising rates when inflation was really you know rising but he's uh, saying
1: like, now that that the fed should raise rates but just not as aggressively as they've been doing so he's yeah i think he thinks they should stop like 25 basis yeah. point increase. yeah he rate.
0: went on to talk about letting uh falling commodity prices shoulder the inflation fighting burden really crude oil prices have fallen sharply from their highs they have um you know yeah so <laughs> all, all of the the commodities now coming down should help fight inflation as well um you know that Part of it is: are, are the markets spooked because of, you know, the the aggressive rate hiking too that's bringing you know, these things down? So I mean, chicken and egg. I'm not I'm not really sure, but yeah, could this now bring on a bigger recession than we would have had, or a recession that we sorry a recession we would not have had because of the rate hikes? You know, and that's what's he's saying: it's going to bring on a harsh recession because of those hikes and the aggressiveness of them.
1: Yes, I mean, I, I mean, I think that it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's almost a foregone conclusion that we're going to go into a recession, and many think that we're, we're already there. I, I, I disagree, really, because in terms of the employment situation, it's still incredibly strong. So how can you say that we're in a recession? I'd be curious. Was he, um, was he on record? a year ago advocating for the fed to start tightening then, or is he just kind of looking in retrospect? Yeah. I'd, I'd have to look back at a
0: record. I'm (laughs) just reading from an article. So, you know, you, want to be, you want to see someone's track record on something like that. Are we, are we, you know, using 2020 hindsight here? Are we, you know, are we using, I
1: I know that in the eighties, the last time we had extreme inflation here in, in North America, one of the things that, that the, um, central banks at that time were criticized for was not raising fast enough Um, or they would raise and then they would kind of wait and see what was happening because they didn't want to push the economy into recession. Whereas now I think they're taking, you know, maybe you could argue that they're, they're making a mistake. Maybe you can argue that they're, they learn from that. I really have no idea what's going on in their heads. I'm not going to pretend to, but it seems like they're taking the opposite approach where they just want to go as aggressive as possible. Um, in order to create that you know economic shock and then once they start to see the economy go into recession you know rates start coming down maybe almost as quickly um to an extent as as they went up yeah i mean it looks like i mean i mean who knows like the the ultimate the 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 ultimate where we're going is certainly recession i mean you're looking at where rates are i mean you just think about about consumer spending right like what is uh like like what do you have to pay on a on a line of credit right now, what do most people have to pay? I don't know, like six, seven, eight percent I have no idea, but a lot more, you know, a good three, four percentage points more.
0: Depends on who you are. Yeah. Then they were,
1: then they were, um, then they were a year ago. Right. So you just can't spend as much, right? Like your, your mortgage, if it's renewing is more expensive, or if you're on a variable, your credit card bill is more expensive. You know, any, anything you purchase on debt is more expensive. So obviously that's going to pull back the reins. Now, you know, it's, uh, the, the hope is that they get it right and they pinpoint it, but they, they almost never do, right? I mean, typically a recession uh, is caused by, by tightening because the economy, Fed tightening or central bank tightening because the economy gets overheated, so they have to pull back the reins. And they want to pull back the reins only strong enough to basically slow the economy down and not bring it into a hard recession, but that's an incredibly difficult thing to do.
0: In terms of should
1: they have been tightening a year ago? I mean, yeah, I think for sure. Right when they saw any sign of of inflation or or strong inflation, rather than try and second guess it and say, you know, we don't think this is going to be persistent inflation. We think it's transitory. You're already at like record low rates. You should have been tightening back then at least to to an extent. Um, But, you know, that's all retrospect now. So all that matters is what they do going forward. Did they know what they're doing? No, I don't think that they know what they're doing. Not sure anybody would know what they're doing.
2: Yeah, it's hard in to be position, ahead of the curve, but I definitely no. And that, sorry, that's
1: Brennan?
2: it's hard to be ahead of the curve. You know, like that's the thing. It is, you
0: know. yeah. It's uh, and it, I mean, if and we'll get to the folly of macro predictions. They're making massive macro <laughs> prediction uh, predictions with like millions of data points that they have to take into account to see which way the economy is going to go. And now they're trying to act on that. I mean, even though they're in p- possession of a ton of data. Um, uh, will they make the exact correct decision? I mean, they didn't clearly at the start of this year. Will they now? They'll probably go too far. They probably will go too hard. Yeah. And it probably will. But I mean, I think I think that if we want to go digress, the failure of this entire period, the last 10 plus years on governments, policymakers, people in general, is not permitting any pain in the economy over mm-hmm. this period. Just compl- easing everything, uh, allowing... For four year election cycle that's yeah I know, mean it's just no it's, it's it's disgusting of that like yeah. we need to be the economy individuals the economy businesses individuals government need to go through pain to learn okay we not we cannot spend to excess right we yeah. cannot borrow as much as we borrow and you know there's a whole it's a, it's a whole generation that has not gone through anything close to austerity out of their po- politicians out of the the fed to be honest and it may it'll probably be worse this time because we didn't go through anything uh that came close to uh some pain in your in your in your uh wallet right and you need that i, I think people need to get slapped with that and um, politicians don't want to go through that because you know people vote them out based on a poor economic uh cycle but you know it in the past, we ha- seemed to have leaders that would uh, be able to communicate that properly, and we we went through cycles, and they were able to stay in power. Um, I think that people have to take responsibility, politicians, all of us have to take responsibility, and and we may have to see some bite- belt tightening. I mean, we and, should see some belt tightening. Going and forward. we're
2: going to touch on that after too, with the pound hitting a record low. First, a dollar. We'll get into you know why uh, that's taking place, and it's basically just you know reiterates what Ryan just said. Um, You know, these policymakers maybe not maybe making policies for their best interest rather than, you know, everyone's long term best interest.
0: Yeah, I think some of them believe they're well intended. They won't want people to go through any pain, but sometimes you have to experience (laughs) pain. Just like when you have a a child, like sometimes you want to guard them, protect them from everything out there. But sometimes the best thing is they have to experience these things and they may be negative in the short term, but they learn from it. Um, And the economy as a whole, individuals haven't learned any pain for 10 plus years, really. Uh, And uh, I think, you know, it's I know nobody wants to go through it, but it's probably beneficial for some people to go through that and learn. We just cannot spend to excess. You know, When we're investing, we just cannot pay anything for any stock, even if we love it. You know, it, all of these things uh, may have to be learned in a more painful way. And, and you know, th- the market's down this year, 20% for the first six months. That is the worst first half of the year in in, in, in like 50 years. Like that is a harsh decline that we've experienced in the markets. Um, it could get worse before it gets better. You know, we're going to still look at the same great businesses that we continue to look for for our clients that are long term. And there's going to be some great opportunities and it actually gets me excited because, you know, we have cash sitting on the sidelines. I'd love to deploy it. There's going to be some great opportunities coming forward. Um, it's just, you know, we'll wait for them and then we'll pounce on them when we can. I'm not it. try to get too cute. There's some good companies that you want to buy right now. You don't want to, you don't want to just wait until you think, oh, this is the bottom trying to protect that, predict that is folly. So, you know, you got your watch list of companies that you want to buy and uh, look at them right now. And, uh, you know, start, start, they're start making some positions too. But as far as like, what is this done? The rate hikes? Well, we did see some data points last week. Inflation in Canada slowed in August. Uh, It's up 7% annually for the month. That is down. It's still a shockingly high rate, but the trend does seem to be moving lower. We saw Statistics Canada release retail sales. They fell 2.5% in July. So you're seeing... Falling retail sales there, which should be expected in, in this environment. So, you know, uh, like Jeremy Siegel said, I believe, you know, it does it does look like things are rolling over a bit. So, you know, is that because of the Fed? Is that, you know, because it was naturally going to happen? It's probably a combination of the two. Yeah. Now, what do we want to touch on next? Do we want to look at... SPAC. Going to the pound. Or, or the think, pound. Yeah, let's yeah, go to the, yeah, pound. Going to the pound. The pound was so, absolutely yeah, pounded, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I can do a quick rundown. So, yeah, the pound and the euro have been kind of connected over the last year or so, which is it's not unexpected. The two currencies move in tandem quite closely. First off, they were being hit hard with the invasion of Ukraine. Commodity prices go up, which ties us back to inflation. The central banks kind of got scared a bit, to say the least, which we went over the last 15 minutes or so. And then most recently now, though, the pound has dr- dramatically fallen. It's like 10 cents on to compared to the dollar overnight, pretty much, since the UK government implement- implemented their new budget plan of cutting taxes into high inflation. The market does not like this. Yeah. <laughs> so I-, I know Brennan had some comments on this. Yeah,
2: well, exactly. I mean, you it, really, it doesn't need too much to be said where, I just don't know if that's the right thing there. You know, there's two things to do to combat inflation. It's either raise interest rates or, you know, reduce spending and, uh, you know, raise taxes, essentially um, slow down the economy a bit. I don't know if, you know, canceling a rise in corporate tax rate as well as reducing basic income tax uh, in the UK is the best thing to do. Well, the country is dealing with decade high inflation. Now, I believe that they actually indicated that or they they came out and said that they are in a recession. That's what they said. So they want mm-hmm. to stimulate growth right now. Um, I don't know. Like we were just talking about, sometimes it's good for, for some pain. Um, you know, my mom was a helicopter parent. She never exerted me to any pain. Look at how I turned out. Just kidding. Not funny.
0: <laughs> no, no, nobody's got any comment on that. Sometimes uh, when you got... True. My mom told me when you don't have anything nice to say, just don't speak. So that's I'm why I'm joking. My mom
2: there, was not a helicopter parent. She raised uh, And your mom is.
0: Well. Your mom's a saint, right? Colleen's what is saint, your mom gonna think when she sees <laughs> this episode? <laughs> when she listens to, we're the one thing saying she's, she's amazing. a. She's not out Let's her. be serious.
1: She started ignoring Brennan years ago, so she's never gonna see the it's episode. True. Yes. Brennan she won't pick up the phone. He wants. She won't pick up. No, the phone. and and.
0: No. I just have to disagree. Cutting taxes is good at all times, so I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> so let me let like me be clear here. Sorry, them.
1: they're canceling a scheduled increase in corporate Correct. taxes. Correct. Okay, so they're not going to increase corporate taxes. Amen. Tax and they're going to cut
2: and they are tax. reducing basic income tax. Correct. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then there were so, some also some other initiatives that they were going to do too. Um. But I, I don't know exactly what they are. But they were in the article. Yeah. So. But go on,
3: Aaron. Mm-hmm. It's first. just their mini budget. It's not their full budget yet because they're um new PM just got elected a couple of weeks ago. So this is, I think a decade or so of the same party. So it's not like a shift from a left wing party to a right wing party where you would expect that sort of thing. It's the same party, just a different PM. So it's quite a big shift in policy just from a leader change.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, the queen wouldn't allowed any of this to happen so you know <laughs> no. that right oh yeah they She shut it down. stood it's for different. this what's i i question right now what is uh, king charles doing you know that's,
3: that's the issue. is that where we're <laughs> gonna yeah, go yeah that that that's really
0: no. <laughs> yeah. let's just not touch any of that no i mean it's we'll we'll continue to watch i mean this is strength in the u.s dollar too it's a like to sure. and you would think, like yeah, you would quality. think that I mean, the US huge... dollar
1: has been strong because um there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. Commodity prices are higher, the commodities mm-hmm. are traded in US dollars. Um so that puts some some pressure, or at least oil prices were higher. Um, but it's just general uncertainty in the economy uh causes more people to want to own US dollars as For opposed sure. to other currencies. Yeah.
3: People flock yeah. to and you have back. to think
1: that I mean they've changed leaders in the UK now you know, it seems like half a dozen time, times over the last couple of years. So they're rivaling the, this is the, the leadership we, we turnover in could... the Canadian Conservative Party. It's I don't know. We, we we're, were both right just
0: <laughs> We were both just over in the UK. So maybe Yeah, my, my, my only issue my big you.
1: issue is why didn't the oh. pound why wasn't the pound at this level when I was so, so that's why
0: it's crash and you <laughs> yeah. you two
3: you two are the cause.
1: We
0: well, we laughed. We were Mostly, there and yeah. left. Yeah. We stopped oh, spending oh. there. Yeah,
3: that's, okay. <laughs> yeah, Mister No sure. Taxes here bringing in all the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what's going on.
0: It's but, so uh, not true. So do, do you want to get to the the SPAC king? Yeah. I, you know the reason I'm so eager to get to this. One of my mm-hmm. predictions at the start of the year was uh, the SPAC market again. Uh, companies. I don't. It's not not really a sector, but a segment. Um, companies that raise money, this route, the blank check route, um, I said, we continue to be a poor area to be involved with. Um, there was an article I read, Down Goes the SPAC King. Um, and it's, they, I think his name is Chamath Hapath. I can't say. <laughs> no,
2: yeah, I don't want to. I'll I put his face up in the name yeah, or something. You,
0: Chamath yeah. is what I call him. Um, yeah. His name became s- synonymous uh, with, I'm laughing at myself, not his name. I just want to put that out there for sure Um, because I can't pronounce it. Uh, With special purpose acquisition SPACs or blank check companies, just as the momentum for high growth risk assets was hitting its stride essentially. Now, unfortunately for him, what goes up often comes down. uh, And uh, let's be honest, he made boatloads of money in this sector. So I think Chamath is, we shouldn't be shedding one tier for him. He's done incredibly well. But the SPAC king this week, announced this past week that he shuttered two of his blank check firms, which raised over $1.1 billion from investors. So he cited valuations and volatility as the two biggest obstacles in closing deals. So, I mean, to me, I, I mean, valuations have come down. So, you know, there could be, and it would still, I would still say in some segments of the tech, they're still too high, but they couldn't close deals. So that money gets returned to the original investors. Just to track how SPACs, companies that have raised money in the U.S. via this route, have done uh, from their highs, the D-SPAC index, it tracks companies that successfully merged with a target. So went public via this route, essentially. It is down, that index is down 82% from its 2021 peak. Uh, Roughly a quarter of stocks are trading under $2. So. But there's over 550 still SPACs holding over 150 billion in cash that needs a home before their deadlines hit. You you raise money through a SPAC, and then you have to do like it's in Canada we used to, we call them qualifying transactions. It's basically you have to uh, take that cash and invest it in a business before a deadline hits. Now that money's just sitting there, so there may be more of these uh, of this cash return. And it plays into another topic that we're talking about. I think Brad had an article about a ton of cash sitting on the sidelines. Well, there's a ton of cash sitting in these SPACs, no places to go. I mean, to me, and you can get into the article, Brett, in a sec, but it does seem to suggest there may be, as prices come down, maybe end of year or into next year, some M&A activity in the market, you would think that would pick up prices come lower cash sitting there and some investment vehicles that need to uh, buy assets, buy businesses, uh, and also just investors holding cash right now. So there could be some acquisitions or M&A activity could pick up. It would certainly be a better time for M&A. Hon- honestly, we honest a- we see more M&A activity at the peak in a cycle, which is just, you know, is bass backwards, right? Like you should not be making more acquisitions at the peak of a cycle you should be making those and it actually gets sometimes gets quieter maybe this time there'll be some money sitting on the sidelines but it tends to be harder for people and I don't know if it's a human condition to pull the trigger when things are lower or going down but it is the right decision in the long term
1: it's also just from the the perspective of the acquiring company you typically mm-hmm. do acquisitions when capital is available and when capital is cheaper. Right. And that's when the, when the market is hot, when we're around the market top when things are most expensive. Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, it's a bit of a, it's, it's somewhat ironic that, you know, the time that the acquirers are in the best position to make acquisitions is often the time that the um, acquisition quality based on price is, yeah. is the lowest as well. But I mean, it's and kind I, of crazy. And I think you'd agree, Ryan, that, we're talking about SPACs even as like a sector or a theme um, because it's really not, it's just a structure of a business. It's just a way to take a company um, public, you know, in a more simplified form than, than your, your standard IPO. Right. So ultimately, you know, you could have companies that are in technology in, in, you know, agriculture in all sorts of different industries. And really you need to just evaluate it based on, you know what market the company's operating, and what type of a business it is. The fact that yeah. it's a SPAC, I mean, yeah, it got people got excited because you know there's a period of time. Well, the they market. saw headlines. Everything was going
0: on. Yeah, yeah they, saw exactly they saw headlines. I made this much. This SPAC jumped this much right when it IPO'd. But you know, he, here's the cold 362, hard 362,
1: or whoever's that
0: that made, crypto guy that you made a ton of money. Yeah, yeah he but made like, a ton a of money means. on it, and
1: you know, <sighs> but the, the thing is, 362 can. The cold hard
0: data though shows like from its highs down 82%. That's just the average of all those companies that use that methodology, raise capital that way, that structure and from their highs in 2021 down 82% having made a transaction and, and gone public that route. Uh, just, just shocking destruction of capital for people who were, um, you know, investing right when those companies went public. Uh, it just, it, it's a cautionary tale. You're not investing in a company because of its structure, because it was a SPAC. You're investing in that for the business at that point in time, growth prospects going forward, current valuations. And those things were thrown out the window to just, um, you know, here's a big name involved with a SPAC. Let's get involved with this, a ton of euphoria. And it just ends up being a recipe for disaster. Now, what may happen here, I think, because we we interviewed one of these firms uh, in, in uh, LA just uh, in the in the spring. And you know, there's a, they have a ton of cash. They've kind of been painted with the same brush as the entire segment, but they are growing now. There's ca- a ton of cash in the bank. The share price has been beaten down. And uh, you know, there may be a few, these babies in that sector that were good businesses that were acquired. That now get beaten down and you may be able to look at them at low prices that is when we will look at a company uh, more closely and there's you know a couple that we're monitoring right now that look to have good businesses that they bought and they happen to raise quite a bit of money so they have net cash positions but the market has been beating the hell out of them because you know people bought it inflated prices and 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 also just being now being associated with a SPAC is bad so you know you, you get Eventually it shakes out that business will, it won't, it won't matter which way it went, which way the company went public, but we may get an opportunity to buy some of these companies at a discount, which will be great to see. Okay. So do we want to get into uh, our, your stock, our take, I think we've exhausted our hot button issues.
2: Yep. So Aaron's got
0: a segment on Adobe. Uh, It's a company we monitor closely they had a rather large acquisition over the past week that was at very pricey multiples. And uh, you know, the, the multiples were a bit concerning. So Aaron's gonna answer a question from a viewer on Adobe. It's time we answer a question on your stock. In a little segment we like to call your stock our take. Buy, sell, or hold.
1: Right. So I'm happy to do that because, as Ryan said, Adobe is a company that we follow quite closely. We've we've been doing a lot of tech research companies that are that are good, solid recurring revenue businesses, SaaS model businesses that have come off in many cases, 50, 60, 70, 80 percent. We're looking at these names for potential entry points. But on the year stock, our take. Uh, Adobe Inc. Uh, trades under the symbol ADBE on the NASDAQ. It's uh, at a share price of two hundred and eighty dollars and a market cap of about $130 So Adobe is an extremely well-known company, a subscription software for content creation, document management, and digital marketing. They have a wide, wide range of products, way too many for me to mention, but three of the top ones are Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator, and Adobe InDesign. So Adobe was uh, one of the top performing stocks in the tech sector up until the the sector peaked in 2021. So if you look at this company over the past 10 years, um, it's up 23 times. The share price is up 23 times. Since it's hit a peak, however, in November of 2021, the stock price has declined 60%. And it's actually dropped about 30% just over the last couple of weeks after they announced that they would acquire Figma, a leading web-first collaborative design platform for for approximately $20 billion, about half stock, about half cash. So what's going on with the company right now? Uh, Why all the negative momentum? Let's take a look at the recent financial performance. So at face value... Recent financial performance was relatively good about 13% growth in total revenue in the most recent quarter Q3 um, up to 4.4 billion, about 13% as well growth in subscription revenue. So subscription revenue is about 90% of total revenue. And that's one of the great things about Adobe is that it does have that subscription model. Um, Operating income on the other hand, up about 3%. So basically flat operating margin was down slightly to 33.5% from 36.6%, and then earnings per share down about 5%. Um, Historically, the company has had a tremendous track record of financial success. Seven consecutive years of revenue growth, um, growth averaging over this period about 20% annually, and the company grew their revenue by 23% in, uh, in 2021, last year. And if you look at analyst expectations, they do expect some growth to continue over the next year. Analysts are expecting about 1360 per share in earnings uh, for 2020 for the current fiscal year. So that's up about 9%. And then going to next fiscal year, analysts are expecting 15% growth to about 1560 per share is the consensus. So right now, based on current year's expected earnings, Adobe's trading at a valuation of 22 times earnings valuation of 22 times. So this is very cheap compared to the company's historical range. Uh, When it peaked in November, the company was trading at a valuation of about 65 to 70 times its trailing earnings per share. But if we look back over, say, the past five years or or so, you know, it's averaged up around, you know, I'd say the 40 to 50 times range. So at about 20 uh, times current expected earnings, it's looking very cheap. So the recent news which led to the 30 percent decline in the share price is of course the acquisition 20 billion dollar acquisition of figma uh, this was not received positively by the market According according to Adobe figma has a uh, addressable market of about 16 billion by 2025 companies expected to add about 400 more than 400 million in annual recurring revenue um, as they as they exit 2022. Gross margins of Figma were about 90% and operating cash flow was positive. Uh, no mention about profitability. The company did say that they expect the acquisition to close in 2023 and that they expect the transaction to be accretive to Adobe's non GAAP earnings per share by the end of year three. So, not immediately accretive, but by the end of year three, they expect it to be accretive. And, you know, this is somewhat of an issue um, I find myself when when the growth expectation or the profitability ex- profitability e- expectation is several years out because you really don't know what's going to happen um, two to three years from now, right? So it's when you're, when you're making an acquisition that's not going to be, you know, fairly immediately accretive or, or accretive within the first year, there's certainly an element of risk that that, that that introduces. So what is our take on Adobe? Well, let's look at the pros and the cons. Uh, Adobe has very strong competitive advantages. Uh, it has the proverbial competitive moat. So where they where they dominate, like in Photoshop, Illustrator, uh, Adobe Acrobat, they have they have very strong competitive positions there. Now uh, it's a recurring revenue business. It has that SaaS model. These types of companies are generally preferred in the market because there's more stable, um, more predictable revenue streams. Uh, we like that. High margins. It's a highly profitable business. Analysts do expect the company to continue to grow its earnings per share over the next year. And of course, that valuation, very cheap right now relative to the historical range. Um, but what are the cons? Well, one of the cons is that the growth is slowing. So Adobe really benefited uh, from the pandemic boom. So everything digital, almost anything digital, um, there was, a, there was a huge spike in demand during the pandemic and certainly in the content creation space. And so Adobe benefited from that. They produced a lot of growth. Now we're certainly seeing that growth slowing as we come out of the pandemic. And there's also the recession fears and investor concerns about how the company would fare during a recession. We've seen some margin compression. Um, and then there's the acquisition of Figma. So what do we have here? So Figma, based on the the acquisition price and the company's... Uh, expected exit annual recurring revenue for the current year. They're basically paying 50 times sales for Figma. So this is is a very high acquisition price, very high valuation price. It's really reminiscent of the peak valuations that we saw late last year in the tech sector and the software sector. And we've seen what's happened to those valuations since then. We thought they were too high. Uh, And then when the market eventually figured that out, stock prices have absolutely crashed in that area. So I think that there's a lot of smoke right now with the Figma acquisition. It may be a a good move for the company to make long-term. I know they've been very active with acquisitions over the past couple of years. One of the strategies is like rather than compete with some of these companies, why not just buy them out? But um, certainly there's a lot of smoke right now with this acquisition, the market did not like it. So it'd be good to see some of that smoke clear. And of course there's very negative share price momentum. Part of that was due to the acquisition. Part of it is just due to some of the concerns um, in generally in the software sector right now uh, in the U S but it's um, it's really a situation where we don't see any major hurry for somebody to rush in with a full position when we see the stock essentially making 52 um, week lows uh, quite repeatedly here. So what is our conclusion on the company? Well, Ultimately, Adobe is a very fundamentally strong company, excellent track record, great balance sheet, cash-rich balance sheet. Um, So fundamentally, financially, it's a great stock. It does appear to offer an attractive investment opportunity long-term. So if you're looking for this as as a long-term investment, to take some money, put it into a beaten-down technology leader that has very strong market position in its areas, a lot of competitive advantages, then we do see an opportunity in Adobe. However, there are near-term risks, slowing growth, um, some, some, some smoke regarding the, the recent acquisition. Uh, there's that negative share price momentum. So there, there are some near-term risks that could further impact the company in the near term, and investors have to be prepared for that. For anybody who wants to build a position in Adobe, I do think that it's a great stock long-term. But what we would say is you don't necessarily have to rush in with a full position You can start small in this company, take a small position, and then look to gradually build that position size up over time as the company comes out with a few more quarters and we get some revised um, updates uh, to the the outlook. Uh, So that's all I have to say about Adobe. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I think it's a a really good summary. I don't know if I have a ton to add. I mean, I think I like the business. I think it was expensive and it's come down, but um, you know the the Figma acquisition, the price tag of that worries me in the short term. And
1: yeah, know, I mean, just to put it into perspective, so they're paying about fifty times sales, yeah, um, yeah, at least price. based on the annual recurring revenue. If there's more revenue outside of that, they they haven't disclosed it, so I'm assuming that that's all of Figma's revenue. But uh, Adobe itself trades for only about eight times sales, mm-hmm. right? And there wasn't any mention really. Like they did mention the margins and the cash flow. That cash flow was positive for Figma, but there's no mention in terms of um, of profitability or or the net profit mar- or the net profit margin. So you know the fact that they're not expecting it to be accretive for at least three years, and who knows really if it's going to even be accretive then. that's definitely some risks involved, but I think it I think it is a great company um, for what looks like a very attractive price right now. I just think that there could be some further near term downside. In the stock price and that's just something that any potential investors need to be aware of you know overall i'd give it right now probably you know four to four and a half stars out of five
0: kind of thing. nice okay uh do we want to move on to brennan's comparison
2: let's do it sure
0: let's do that uh, you're looking at two u.s healthcare cvs and united health right
2: that is correct Yes. So we had a question come in uh, from our US growth stock chat last week to compare United Health Group, UNH on the New York Stock Exchange and CVS Health Corp, CVS on the New York Stock Exchange as well. I emailed this client uh, with my response, but I thought with all of the work that I did, uh, it would maybe be beneficial to some other people as well. So you UNH- showing,
0: showing us how much work he did.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Basically. Yes. Yeah. Look, I'm doing uh, work.
2: I'm doing work, I swear.
1: See, see, I like this though, because a lot of times we do get questions by email from clients and then we mm-hmm. put a, a fair amount of, of work in answering mm-hmm. that question. Mm-hmm. And it would be beneficial to more people, but it usually yeah. only goes to one person. So it's good now mm-hmm. that we have yeah, this exactly. format so that we can... Anyways, Brennan, go ahead. Totally.
2: On. Thank you. Um, so yeah, United Health Group Inc. (UNH) on the New York Stock Exchange. This is one of the largest private health insurers, providing medical benefits. Along with its insurance, um, the company has its Optum franchises, which provide healthcare services from medical and pharmaceutical benefits to providing outpatient care and analytics. CVS Health Corp. is pretty similar. CVS on the New York Stock Exchange. It offers traditional, voluntary, and consumer-directed health insurance products and related services, essentially benefits. Uh, And then they also have their sizable pharmacy operation, uh, which includes nearly 9,900 retail pharmacy locations, primarily in the U.S. Um, So I'm just going to kind of go slot for slot between each company, depending on what we're talking about. So UNH right now trades at a price of about $508 per share and has a $476.4 billion market cap. So it is a much larger business. Uh, Whereas CVS trades at $97 approximately per share and has a market cap of about $128.5 billion. Now, UNH does pay a lower dividend yield of just 1.3% compared to CVS's yield of about 2.3%. And both of them had a payout ratio of 25% in the last quarter. That's just a coincidence. Um, Looking at the long-term historical growth, this is revenue growth rate. UNH had a compound annual growth rate of 9.3% from 2017 to 2021, whereas CVS's was about 12% uh, over the same period. So CVS is growing top-line revenue uh, at a slightly better pace. And in the last quarter, uh, net income was up 18.8% 18.8% for UNH, where for CVS it was only up 6%. Now, looking at the balance sheet, UNH has a much healthier balance sheet uh, with net debt of about 23.4 billion and a net debt to EBITDA multiple of about 0.4 times. This is in comparison uh, to CVS's net debt of about 59.2 billion and a net debt to EBITDA multiple of about 3.2 times. Uh, looking forward, for guidance, both provided full-year gap EPS guidance for fiscal 2022, and looking at the year-over-year growth, this would, if they can hit their targets, this would equate to about 13% uh, EPS growth for UNH, whereas CVS is guiding to about 24% growth over 2021. And quickly, just looking at the valuations, uh, UNH has a forward PE multiple of about 25 times. Where CVS's is 14 times. Uh, UNH has a 12 trailing month enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of 9.2 times, whereas CVS's is 10.4 times. And looking at the PEG ratio or price earnings to growth ratio, um, this is essentially seeing if a company offers uh, growth at a reasonable price, essentially. Uh, UNH trades at 1.9 times, whereas CVS has a 0.6 times peg ratio. So to conclude, both are quality businesses. CVS has historically grown revenue at a better rate, pays a better dividend yield, is guiding towards better earnings growth this year, has more attractive valuations in relation to growth. But the one negative of the company is that it is quite levered up. Um, I would say that the debt is sustainable, but it is getting to the higher end of where we would like to see it. Um, And then just keeping in mind, it is also a smaller company compared to UNH. Now, UNH, uh, they have much less debt, but certainly trade at more of a premium given its earnings growth guidance. Personally speaking, I think that I would go with CVS given the better dividend yield and profile that closer fits growth at a reasonable price. Um, But it's, it's pretty close. It's tough. Um, you know, especially looking at the, the debt load of CVS, the risk is definitely higher, uh, with that company. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one. It is a tough one, but yeah, I'd like to, uh, you know, open it up to, uh, Ryan, Aaron and Brett and see if they agree with, uh, you know, my analysis, potentially. So which one would you buy? I would go with CVS. That's what I would, they do have higher debt leverage. Um, you know, it is getting up to that three times net debt to EBITDA. Uh, which is getting to the upper range, for sure, where we would like to see it. Um, but yeah, I think that it closer fits. You have net
1: debt to EBITDA of 3.2 times.
2: Or sorry, 3.2 times. Is that what I said? Mm-hmm. Around three times? Mm-hmm. Is that what I said? Yeah, 3.2, yeah, 3.2 times. 2. Um, so it is I, getting I mean, to I, the upper I, range. I
1: don't think that's too bad. I mean, you know, given they also have a retail element to their business as mm-hmm. well, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty capital intensive, so we'd expect some debt. I don't think that that's too bad. I mean, you're, you're right. hundred percent, bi- the balance sheet on you, UNH is, is much better yep. um, in terms of just lower debt leverage. But I mean, I wouldn't say that C- CVS is, is out of line or, or speculative. Certainly I wouldn't want to see the leverage go much more. I'd probably say, you know, around three times. So maybe they're just would be more ideal. So, you know, maybe they're just above that, but. You know, as one of the things about UNH is, is um, I remember looking at them. They have a, a technology services element to their business as well. Mm-hmm. Do they not?
2: Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, that is that would yeah, be, news be to something. Me. Yeah. yeah,
1: need to need to refresh myself on that. Yeah, but I I I don't know how significant it is in terms of contributing to the bottom line. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think just based off of the numbers, you know, to really actually determine what. Company you would buy. We need to go f- much further in depth, but I think just based off of the numbers that you provided, the historical numbers, the valuation, I would probably have to agree with you. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, thank you. Well, that I want
1: to, I want to, I want to review the uh, the technology segment of UNH as well, because I remember yep.
0: thinking that that was.
2: Yep. No, that's a good something. A good note. Future. For sure.
0: Did you kind of faintly say that you agree with Brennan there?
1: I, I heard. I, did not say first that, time. Never say that. No, no, no.
0: first time for everything. So that would be, of course. Yeah. Um, sometimes,
1: Hey, sometimes I do agree with Brennan, right? Like I have a broken watch on my desk and two times mm-hmm. a day it is correct. So, you know, two times uh, a day, I agree with mm-hmm. that watch on the time. Yeah.
3: So is he the broken one or are you the broken one? What? what, what who's Brennan. who here? Brennan's
1: <laughs> the broken one. Oh, okay. Just making no, Bre- sure. Brett. Now, now we're just, now we're just harping on Brennan. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, is our favorite pastime here on Keystone's it's love, Spot it's love. Podcast.
0: Yep. But uh, uh, on
3: CVS, um, do you know if they're floating rate debt or are they? Uh, that would be another out? good thing
2: to look yeah. into, of course, especially with rising rates. You know, mm-hmm. um, that'd be yeah. a great yeah. thing. To most look into most well.
1: companies most companies have a fairly small, like a smaller proportion of their debt uh, variable mm-hmm. relative to fixed. But yeah, that definitely be something to to yep. know. And as well, is like what like when is it maturing, right? So if you have a, a, a if you have some debt on your balance sheet that's fixed and it's maturing you know in five years, well it probably doesn't really matter what the but if it's five days is. if it's five days or if it's a year, you know you got mm-hmm. a chunk of debt and you're gonna have to renew it at a higher rate and that can make a big difference for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go to our stars and dog segment. Uh, our star this week is Winpack, a company we actually interviewed the management team last week. So we'll have some insights based on that. And uh, our dog is a company called Nautilus Inc., the uh, uh, well-known provider, manufacturer of uh, exercise equipment. Uh, Bowflex is a name that they own as well.
3: Yeah, so I will. Brett's, right Brett's going to handle that. that. Yeah, 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 I was
0: waiting for that. There we are.
3: <laughs> he, he forgot my uh, name already.
0: That's true. No, no, I was just staring into space. So.
3: Mm-hmm. And, All right.
0: Brett, well, Brennan put me to sleep, let's be honest. So. Oh, yeah. The usual. Yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. star, 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 star. All
3: right. So, Winpack, our star of the week. While the TSX Composite Index has fallen 13% year to date, our star of the week, WinPax, and both WPK on the TSX, has surged 23% to $45.66. The company manufactures and distributes high quality ma- packaging materials and related packaging machines. The company owns 12 production facilities located in Canada, the US, and Mexico. Its products include the packaging for perishable foods, beverages, and healthcare applications. The company is the opposite of the core losing stocks this year. It is the low-risk, consistent stock with a large cash position, unlike those SPACs we were talking about earlier, allowing it to avoid and perhaps benefit from the risk-off attitude of the market we've seen this year. We interviewed some of the management last week, and I can say that the mentality of consistent and cautious growth is built into the company. An example of them being cautious is the increasing of inventory levels to $260.3 million to minimize the impact of the ongoing global supply chain issues. Them being cautious does not mean they are not growing, though. WinPAC grew its revenues by 27.2% year-over-year to $310.3 million for Q2 2022. The adjusted EBITDA grew 17.8% to $58.7 million, and net income grew 18.1%. To $33.7 million, or $0.52 cents per share. This was on the back of an improved gross profits, as well as selling prices exceeding the impact of the rising cost. For further details, we will be releasing our Canadian Opportunities Report sometime in October, where WinPAC will have an in-depth report. But until then, WinPAC is our star of the week.
0: Yep. Uh, you want to go to our dog, then we'll comment yeah, it yeah, on it fully? Yeah. yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we'll, we can we'll, do that. We'll do a full loop. Yeah. yeah, that works. All Perfect. right. From our Stars and dog segment, it's time for this week's Dog.
3: So our dog, like Ryan said, is Nautilus. Once a pandemic favorite, Nautilus symbol NLS on the New York Stock Exchange has fallen 72% year-to-date to $1.67. Nautilus is a manufacturer of fitness equipment under the brands Nautilus, Bowflex, Modern Movement, and Swin. Fitness and Universal, otherwise known as equipment many people buy once and only use once. Revenue, <laughs> revenue has sunk nearly 70% year over year to only 55 million from 185 million. Net income was eliminated, going from a profit of 14 million to a loss of 60 million. That shift in earnings has eliminated much of the ball case for the company. Although it should be said a major portion of the loss was a significant goodwill write-down of $27 million, which doesn't actually impact operations, it's just an accounting number. Further, we are going to into increasingly grim near-term situation for the consumer cyclical products, which Nautilus products are a part of. The macroeconomic pressure will put further downward pressure on both the top and bottom lines of the company if the recession fears play out. The company has already been applying increasing discounts to its own products, which have already lowered its gross margins. The gross margins fell from to five and a half percent from 25.1 percent last year, with 11 percent of that drop, so about half, being due to the discounts. Worse to come, if the company continues in this man- manner, it will begin to run into the limits of its balance sheet. It may have been a pandemic star, but for now, Nautilus is our dog of the week. Well done.
1: What are your yeah. thoughts on you?
0: You own a Nautilus, don't you, Ryan? Uh Bowflex, not the stock, for God's sakes. No. no, no, not <laughs> no. the stock. Because so we, Bowflex, yeah, let's just Bowflex clear that is a up Nautilus right now. Product. Yeah, yeah, and no, no I'm. Mean, did you it's, buy uh, it during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but, but I'm not buying once. five of them. <laughs> uh, no, I actually, I, you know what? Um, as a review of the product, you use it like three, four times a week. It's great. Like it. Don't lie. But for the first week. <laughs> yeah, but I know. Uh, Bre- Brennan Brennan, <laughs> Brennan here. Brennan hears me on it talking that to him is all true. the long time. That is true. Yeah, but like it uh honestly it's it's good good product, but the whole thing is like you 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 don't keep buying it. They have a subscription service on it called the Journey service as well, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, I don't care if I'm, you know, somebody's yelling at me to, you know, keep stepping. Right. I don't know what the hell they're, yeah. Piss well, I'd, yell- you I'd you be yelling. Su- have you used the subscription service, like, the free trial or anything? Have you seen No, anything? no, I didn't even. My, my family yells at me enough to just go <laughs> right, on it. Yeah, so I don't need yeah. them. They're like, get the hell on that thing. Get out of the kitchen or wherever you are in the house. <sighs> Can you do it somewhere down near the beach? Not near us, okay? Yeah. You know, like they're, they're yelling at me, but honestly, I don't make some, I think it would be beneficial for some people, right? For sure. But, um, I don't need it. I don't need to pay that. So, I mean, that would be their ongoing, uh, revenue that they would get from you. So they're not getting that from me. They're certainly not like, I don't need three of those in the house. I need one. Right. And, uh, you know, even if we got another Bowflex or another Nautilus machine, it's a one-time purchase. And then, you know, I, you know, I, I the product you better it's last, last like at least ten years, ten years or something. In like your that. case, thirty
1: used... due to you know not being used. for Non-use,
0: right. right? It's because you know my cat got on it once. That's what happened. and That was about <laughs> it, right? Yeah, no, but yeah, that's the thing. That and we looked at this company uh, in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, you know the the revenue numbers look great, the cash flow looked great at that time, the balance sheet looked great, uh, but you know. You, you look at a business like that you have to actually you know forecast going forward what is going on here and you know there was everybody was locked up at home nobody could actually go to the gym for periods of time so people bought those devices in home and it, you just it's not a recurring purchase unless you can get everybody into that you know the peloton type system but you know peloton you know got to massive valuations has come down like you guys have a bike don't you Aaron? Well, yes, my wife yeah. my
1: wife has a Peloton. Yes.
0: And you you think it's in the house. There's a rumor of it. I you never I, somewhere it. I have no idea where <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah that's I, true. <laughs> <laughs> Once again. Yeah. I know the
1: subscription yeah. service on Peloton, it it offers yeah. a lot, but that alone is not going to be um no. enough no. To, to maintain the revenue growth that they generated during the during the pandemic, right? So like there yeah. was this idea that you know the pandemic is gonna change behavior people were working out in the gym, then they had to work out at home. So they bought home equipment and then, you know, they're not going to want to go back to the gym because now they like yeah. working at home. And I think that's true to an extent, but I think that like now that things have opened up, people want to kind of go back and do those things that they used to like go to the gym, yeah. go to like live events.
0: Oh yeah. And I think that, I think there's a motivation going to the gym too. Right. And, and if they have a trainer that says you got to come in, I mean, people. I I mean, part of it is just getting there, right? And like, well, that's what I do. I, you know, I put on my workout gear. I go
1: to the gym, and then I can say I went to the gym. I Mm
0: -hmm. didn't actually actually do anything. Do anything anything at the gym? I go to the gym five times a week. You go in the spa room. You go in the sauna. Uh, You lay there. No, you just leave, right? I don't want to see people. Well, Aaron, you'd think Aaron would be one that maybe would just have a gym set up in the house, but the problem is he doesn't want to use that in the house either. So.
1: I think, yeah. Well, my wife has figured that out. She knows that, you know, I, I'll put all, all the energy into building the awesome home gym and, and then and be, it uh, will sit there. And look at it. It looks really
0: cool. We should it get it. It looks someone like it's brand it.
1: new, untouched. <laughs> <laughs> 10, 15 It's years part of the back. home now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's just yeah. a, a re, it's no, we reset. did the Peloton, and you know, I think I, once again, from a product review perspective, I think it's great, but um, so I've heard from my wife, but um, <laughs> you know, it definitely the sales that they generated, the product sales that they generated through the pandemic were not normalized, and you know, in a lot of cases, now these pandemic boom companies are having to give like a lot of that revenue back, so
2: yeah, and they've been I cutting mean, they, back the drop on. To
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. the drop on Nautilus has been I mean mm-hmm. it's just absolutely shocking. I mean, it's ninety percent from its its peak levels. like it and and like the guidance is not very solid going <laughs> forward. I mean, and the like you know, and you're, you're like Brett said the balance sheet is starting to come into question now, right? Mm-hmm. the the losses they're booking. So you know it, you know maybe you know, it, it has been a turnaround story in the past, but was that turnaround driven by the pandemic? and you know is there you know there may be some decent equipment there but uh you know the, the share price is just absolutely cratered and it was one of those things that you had to as an analyst watch during the pandemic is this company getting some kind of you know pandemic boost that is not sustainable there's some companies that got a boost that was a little more sustainable like in this case it was like one of the perfect cases of just uh one time event and and now they're going to normalize back to levels um, <laughs> you know, aren't anything close to what they were at that point. And it's fairly foreseeable, to be honest. And I, the the numbers look good. And the reason we didn't recommend it, because that was the, you could forecast going forward, people weren't going to just keep building up their gyms. Like I said, no. I don't need three of those Bowflex machines. Now. That's and a I, lie. I the reason we didn't recommend
1: it is because Brennan said it wasn't a good stock. So Ryan yeah. and I were. Yeah, yeah that's true.
2: Basically. That's true. But yeah, I've got Brandon's a gym membership. Yeah, I don't need to. I don't need the home equipment. I'll go to the gym, see yeah, people. And,
1: and like, yeah. as you said, Ryan, it's just, you know, at, at, at a certain point, the numbers and the valuation looked really mm-hmm. good, but the writing was on the wall in yeah. terms of yeah. the risk that revenues were going to drop. And, you know, when you're looking at financial statements, you always remember those are the past. You yeah. can use yeah. that past information to try and get a sense of where the company's going in the future, but you can't just extrapolate it going forward. It's the future financial performance that's going to drive stock price not what they did a year ago
2: I even remember getting yeah. on a phone call with a client and Ryan and they were asking us about Nautilus and Ryan just basically said the exact same thing you know at that time and he never ended up buying it mm-hmm. good for him you know um that's yeah good. and then
0: we'd say it's lesson learned if somebody did buy it at that time but um for you sure. know it's just it, yeah the capital was destroyed at that point and <laughs> you have the markets you, we always have to look forward we want to look at like it had the good underlying fundamentals and numbers in that period that we would love to see in a company you just have to see some level of certainty that there is some sustainability and those were such unusual times you know that you, you couldn't have any degree of certainty going forward and that's what kept us out of the company yeah um now let's win pack. I mean, you know, absolutely boring business probably, you know, we'd say, but like great numbers. I mean, they've had price increases probably uh, experienced some, a period where they had unusual pricing power and that, you know, is is not in the, it's not what they're going to have going forward. So, you know, it's something to watch on the company, but you know, the way it's run uh, in terms of, you know, a great balance sheet, um, you know, paying, they pay a dividends, very small, they pay special dividends when they build up cash. It looks, you know, we'd love to see them be a dividend grower over the long term and have a policy like that. But, you know, they, they return, they're responsible to shareholders in that respect. And, you know, it, when they make an acquisition, you know, it's rare, but it has to be at a really good price has to be fitting into what they are looking for in terms of growth. Uh, going forward. And, you know, it just, it looks to be very well run, which is nice to see. We'd love to see it cheaper. Like we, that's what we'd say. We'd love to see it at a cheaper price, but for our clients, we're going to have a full report on the, um, on the company in our upcoming opportunities report, which there will be some opportunities there. And WinPack is certainly a company that has, you know, been run well, we continue to expect it to be run well going forward and responsibly by management, which is again, you know, one thing we look for in a, in a company, in a box we like to check off. And it was good to catch up with management or, uh, introduce ourselves really to management over the past week. Yep. Yeah, All right. I think that's, clients. is that it for the, is that's that it, it for the show this week? We yep, think so. Yep. Keep smashing that subscribe button. We want more comments on YouTube. Come in there. Tell us what you like, what you hate mainly Brennan about sure. Brennan and yeah. And so just tell us and and Brett's, uh, cat.
2: And Brett's, cat. Red, Pixel. Yeah. Brett's cat
0: and Pixel we want here. comments yeah. on Pixel many comments uh, rate and review and us, us on show. iTunes yeah. most important rate and review us on iTunes Comment. And, uh, send in your stuff <laughs> yes yep. send in your questions your stock our take we'll answer those compare companies and we'll have some news next week on our next upcoming DIY uh, webinars and seminars we're gonna do a couple in person and our standard. Uh, um, online webinars as well in the next month or so. So we'll have some news next week on that. Thank you, everybody, and for watching, listening, and I wish you all profitable investing. Thank you all.
2: Thanks, everyone. Thank you.